Welcome to the summer series of Culture Factor. I'm Holly Shannon. When I spoke at this year's NFTMYC, I used my downtime to interview the experts about their engagement in the Web3 space. We've talked on Culture Factor a lot about what Web3 is and how it's being used, but I wanted to try and understand why. Almost every person I spoke to had a similar reason for being part of Web3. They all wanted to help fulfill our most basic, fundamental, evolutionary need, connection. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to explore the methods that artists, collectors, and businesses use to bring about connection. I'll break down the whys, not just the what's, of this new digital space we find ourselves in. Hello, Culture Factor family. Welcome back to the summer series. We've been getting into the weeds over the past few weeks, and this is our final deep dive of the season. The rest of the season will comprise detailed interviews that explore examples of how user experience, design, trust, and accountability shape the Web3 space. But in this last deep dive into the whys of Web3, let's revisit what Web3 is all about. I think as we move into Web3, which is the beauty, there's so many beauties of Web3, but the Web3 is beautiful because it can give people anonymity. It can remove bias in the way that people are seen. Um, the power-ups and the blockchain, it can give people that identity. They can secure their identity and carry it with them. They can be in charge of it. So we can give women who might not have access to some of that history to have that and carry it with them in life. We, we can give people who are um, having to flee domestic abuse. We can give people who are fleeing persecution using the blockchain. They can carry their identity and all their credentials with them. And that's what all of this can give and they can go forward. So I think it, it's, it absolutely is what you're saying. Like we are creating a way to level up the playing field. In England, we would say level up the playing field um, by actually introducing people, women to, to NFTs and the whole education that goes with it. Alison knows firsthand what it is like to live in an abusive family and to then grow up in the care system. She also understands the needs and complexities to have people advocating on your behalf. Her work with Metacampus is to bring equity to the world of Web3. What does this really mean and look like on a daily basis for Allison? Well, it means she invests her hard-earned cash in women-led projects and businesses with NFTs that decorate her walls. Allison uses her leadership skills to bring attention to these issues and focus on bringing a diverse range of women to Web3. In doing so, she's able to show those in need how to deploy the Web3 tools to their advantage, especially if they live in a place of disadvantage. Blockchain allows those that use it to remain anonymous. Your unique digital wallet address provides a place to protect your assets. In this case, the asset being the person at risk versus an NFT with no social component? Um, while it's a, still a debating topic, I feel like if we make interacting with blockchain so easy and seamless without giving any proper education, then these problems occur more so because if you don't know how to open your own wallet or what that in, entitles, I don't think you should own a non-custodial wallet with an NFT on it because you need to have that knowledge. That's the premise of Web3, that you 
know more about your own beta, your own assets, digital assets, and have ownership and you can act on, on them. Elena has been studying ethics and those that bridge technology since she was at NYU. Taking that knowledge and applying that to Web3 has become her passion. Elena essentially said that knowledge is power. Knowing how it all works is the best way to protect yourself in this new space. And like both Elena and Allison mentioned, owning your data and assets empowers you to use them how you want to. Data is the new currency. So what are you going to do with yours? What can you do with it? Collectively, we have only scratched the surface of Web3. So what can we do with it? Based on my conversations, almost anything we can imagine. A lot of people who've come over to Voice have hesitated to enter the space for one reason or another. A lot of that reasoning is around um, the environmental impact of NFTs. Um, Because of our blockchain, Voice is actually a carbon neutral platform. Um, So we've provided that solution for a lot of people who saw the value in minting, but didn't want to have that negative environmental contribution. Emily Drury shared her opinions with us in the first episode of the summer series when we discussed user experience, so I'd encourage you to go back and hear that piece. But it's interesting that their platform has handled the problem of negative environmental impacts. By neutralizing their own environmental impact, voice spreads awareness of how minting NFTs can potentially harm the environment. Voice leads by example and offers an environmentally friendly way to participate in Web3. 456 Land is an imaginary world, so you could think of it as a cartoon series as well. Um, So it's made up of many different characters, and throughout the different characters, you'll constantly see the messages of love, unity, kindness, or just simply uplifting and to put a smile on your face. So those are all the common denominators between all the characters. You probably recognize Zebby's voice. He was also featured in the summer series earlier on. His 456 collection is by design created for love, unity, and kindness, or just simply to put a smile on your face. With this collection, it's that perfect artwork where Artwork, um, if you're able to document the time in history, that's super important for artwork. And having the physical and the digital assets come together does that. And um, I'm able to do that with my artwork, with sharing positive, happy messages and talk about all those happy and positive messages. Art that intentionally adds something positive to the world is incredibly valuable. And it is important that this type of work exists within Web3. Earlier on in the summer series, I asked you to put a pin in the conversation around decentralization and deconstruction and what that means in the Web3 space. So now I'm going to actually address that a little bit here. I believe the concept of decentralization, which is what Web3 is being built on, needs to be understood as no entity governing your use of the blockchain. Where you keep your assets is sacred or store your data for anonymity, or buy NFTs for social good. I look at deconstruction as looking at what did not work well in Web 2 and not making the same mistakes. Have Web 3 be better, stronger, faster, more considerate, democratized, designed for social good, or to uplift people? 
create a movement that leaves Web3 in better shape. A tool for all. So we are at NFT NYC Live at Town Hall. I am emceeing the event. We met backstage, super fun. And uh, we're both podcasters. And we're both women, which is amazing to have more women in the space talking about um, Web3, NFTs, and just uh, technology in general. And so I'm very excited to be on the show. But a little bit about my background. I am host of the Woman Be True podcast, and I discuss topics around deconstructing and decentralization. So what I mean by deconstructing, it's deconstructing the social norms that all of us have grown up to believe in, whether that be the big pharmacies, um, big pharma industry, the um, FDA industry, prison reform. Um, I also talk about um, centralization in the Web3 space. Um, and, and with deconstructing, that also includes religion. But basically, why do we have these beliefs? that we have. And I'm really questioning that. Tori sees that Web3 has the potential to change minds, to challenge collective thinking, to question beliefs. And she uses her podcasting platform to do just that. Remember her work with the physical art gallery? It's even cooler than you thought. I'm working as a um, business manager for the NFT boutique. And we are a um, physical art gallery for um, NFT collections around the world. And so uh, we focus on eco-conscious projects, so projects that are saving the planet, um, uh, such as Nemus, for example. They, they're helping with the Amazon rainforest. Aside from all the other reasons we discussed last week, Tori's work with the gallery directly benefits the environment. I started with buying a group of five that were by a female artist that was raising money for charity, for a children's charity. And, and I saw them and I was just like, wow, um, given that I was new to NFTs and I saw them and I was like, I just got to buy them. And do you know what? I, they cost, the gas fees cost more than what she got from me and what went to charity. But that's why I bought them, that she was doing it for charity. Um, and, and I loved them. And I keep all of those and I just have them all the time because for me, that's what I'm passionate about, children and charities and women. I collect them because I really want to support women who are coming into this world. Um, and by buying them, I can firstly get involved with them. I can then offer them support um, using my years of experience in leadership and management. But actually, I can, I can have them and share them with everyone I know. By having them on my walls, having meetings and people talking about my artwork, all of that. Allison collects pieces to support artists who use their platform to make change. Both Tori and Emily use their Web3 businesses to take environmental action because that is something they deeply care about. As an artist, Zevi does the same thing for a different purpose. He works to uplift others, to make people feel good. They may have different roles, but all four of them use Web3 in a similar way. They own their data and they choose to use it to directly benefit things they care about. These people and so many other individuals are using Web3 to make the world a better place. If they are making such an impact, how can larger companies use their influence? What we need to do is have more people in the room. And you only get more people in the room when you open all those doors. And then when you have more people in the room, you get a different culture. 
when you only have men developing the boardroom, you only get a culture that accommodates them. And actually, the more we've had women come into that, um, the more that we've had people with disabilities, women of colour that have come into that, the more we see what the new culture is, is reflective of all of those people as opposed to one set group. And that's really important. Allison's perspective as a collector gives her a unique insight. She can look at things from the outside and the inside of Web3. She can see that it is early in the game. And if we start with diversity, equality, and inclusion in mind, that is what the rest of Web3 can be built from. Elena, who we heard from earlier, works for Vayner3, the brainchild of Gary Vaynerchuk. It is a Web3 consultancy built by NFT enthusiasts, crypto-native strategists, DGENs, and creators. Their goal is to guide the world's leading enterprises and intellectual property owners in the next iteration of consumer behavior. I believe that ever since I was young, that these platforms, while they provide such beautiful, seamless experiences, it was clear that because they're becoming billion-dollar companies, they're not necessarily aiming towards us. And the, the more I learned about it, the more it was it was scary to me. So that's why I wanted to focus on that and and figure out what went wrong with Web two companies and how we approach them and how they approach making a product and how can we make sure to not repeat those same mistakes in creating different applications for Rev3. And one thing that's important for me is, you know, we, instead of trying to rush through the new iteration of this web uh, and building stuff, I think we should have more conversations and involve more voices so we build better products that is built by diverse teams. Gary Vaynerchuk takes his role as a leader in Web3 seriously, and people like Elena keep them accountable. Elena understands Vayner's impact on Web3, that they are leading the way and need to keep everyone in mind, not just those with the highest level of social privilege. Vayner3 is trying to build the type of web that Allison wants to see. There's so much opportunity and it's absolutely incredible. And so my focus in being in Tulum, it is about conscious crypto and what is conscious crypto? What is consciousness? What does elevating human consciousness mean? And um, and it's like, yes, we're all excited about this new space, but how can we actually like bring it back to humanity in real life and like build projects that will continue to allow us to evolve, to grow and to change for the better? Web3 is the evolution of the web, and we get to decide how it evolves. So what do you want the web to be? What do you want the big tech companies to do? What do we value? Deeper human connection is the purpose of the web, and community, design, trust, and accountability make up Web3. We build communities, we implement design strategies, We trust our communities and those who lead, and we can hold leaders as well as each other accountable. I can't help but be reminded of when the internet first began. It was this crazy time where anything could happen. It felt like we were creating our new reality as we went, like we were collectively building our future. It reminds me of that time a lot because right now, nothing about Web3 is concrete. 
But there is this strange awareness that we are actively changing our reality and our future as we go along. But this strange awareness, the meta-ness of the metaverse, means that we can make it great for everyone. I really believe we can. So what do you think? Do you think we can make significant social change using Web3? I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wherever you leave a message, know that I'll engage with you, and others will too. I may even share your thoughts on the show. Hey, Culture Factor family. I have been enjoying rosé over this very hot summer, and Harmony Wine has been my newest addiction. My friend Matt Harmon has not only created this delicious rosé from Provence, but it has these beautiful notes of strawberry and floral, and it's dry and super yummy. And he put it in the prettiest of cans that you can take to your picnic or a barbecue. Matt and I agree that the best rosé comes from the south of France. That's probably why we're friends. And he is going to be giving you, my Culture Factor family, 20% off. Your Harmony Wine link is in the show notes. This summer is coming in hot. Please share this episode of Culture Factor now and listen with your friends. It's always more fun that way. And don't forget the Harmony Wine Rosé. On behalf of the team of Culture Factor, thank you for following along for the past few weeks to consider these important questions. And we hope we've broadened your thinking around the user experience, design, trust, and the value of art. Season four of Culture Factor is produced by Pale Blue Studios.